Hello and welcome to this the third of this three-part series where myself and my guests discuss the England versus Pakistan test series. Um, today I am joined by only one guest. Dan Davis is uh, not here today, so I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Whiting. Yeah, hello Blake. It's uh, uh, what a lot we've got to talk about as well. Now, I'm still reeling from uh, your quiz last time. And uh, not getting as many as I should have done. Yeah, the um, people to take 100 wickets for England in the 21st century. So um, if any listeners haven't done that, that is on uh, the BBC website still, I believe. Um, 13 to get. And I think I did the best. I think I only missed one. And you and Dan both missed two, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't want to give it away. But, no. uh, but one of them I should have got. Being a Middlesex man, my memories is age, Blake. It's a terrible thing getting old, and your memory starts to go. Well, at this point, I missed it as well because it was someone who was in the side frequently while I was um kind of growing up. So, well, not even growing up, you know, being eleven to fifteen ish, probably. Um, so that is a uh, that's a good place to start. So, Dan, also, would you like to say a little bit about what you've been doing lately? Because you've uh, been a very busy man, haven't you? Yeah, I've been doing a little bit of talk sport. I've also been in uh, been in hospital having a wrist reconstruction. So, uh, you know, I've uh, uh, been been on lots of codeine and doing lots of sleep. I'm glad we've caught you at a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm off the codeine now, and I actually even went and had a few beers last night with uh, with some friends. So, uh, feeling on top of the world this morning. Well, very good. Well, if we move on to the cricket then, Dan, um, another historic win for England. Um, the first time Pakistan have ever been whitewashed at home. Um, if we start uh, with a couple of the a couple of the big stories to come out, obviously, Rian Ahmed, um, not only youngest um, England debutant, but also getting a fifer um which we'll come on to and that'll be my little quiz question for today um but actually i want to start with pakistan um obviously azar ali retiring um sham masood coming into the side as well as a couple of the bowlers um what did you think of their changes yeah i thought um i mean azar ali what a career he's had a bit 90 97 tests or something like that yeah just short of 100 yeah and you know, I saw him the other day and the game was a lost cause and he still chased one down to the boundary, put in a full-on dive and he's, he's such good commitment, you know, so he's uh, he's been a wonderful servant for Pakistani cricket. Sean Massoud, I saw a little bit of him last summer when he was over here in Derbyshire for the Tykes up there, up at Headingley United style, suits English wickets. Yeah, I think, um, not that I would have dropped him um, earlier in the series, but I thought he was... Um hard done by to to not get in that side to be honest Sham Masood I thought he he had an okay test match um so yeah the, the other one I think the other one I think is um Zafar Gahar who I've seen for a bit of a Gloucestershire yeah from Gloucestershire yeah and he's he's another one who I think I mean he's come back off the shoulder he's somebody else who sort of a little bit hard done by not getting in this side hell of a lot to offer from what I've seen very different seeing them at test level against county level it's very different seeing them in English conditions against Pakistani conditions as well. So I do think Zafar Gahar would have added value to this Pakistani side with bat, ball and in the field. Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks as if they're going backwards. I mean, again, it was a, it was kind of a dead rubber 
if you don't want to count the World Test Championship as a thing. Um, but, you know, Numan Ali, he's a 36-year-old um, offie. Um, Mohammed Wasim, was that his debut? Or Ashraf, one of them making their debut, weren't they? Um, yeah. So obviously, yeah. That, but this this series has obviously brought the positive of you know Abra Ahmed has been um unveiled to the Pakistan uh, Pakistani fans, um so there there are positives there. Um, yeah, I think so. I think Saud Shakil, I think sort of a decent series. I think he he's uh, sort of cemented his place in the side. Uh, Baba is obviously a world class batsman. Um, whether he's the right man to captain Pakistan is uh you know outskippered by Stokes right through the series. But uh, there's no doubt about his actual quality with the bat for Bavar again. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to mention, actually. I saw someone say on Twitter, and I couldn't agree more, really. Babar Azam in the field seemed to be throwing the ball to a bowler just as like a general rotation. It didn't seem like there was a lot of kind of thinking going on. It was just kind of, oh, you haven't bowled in a while you might take a wicket, whereas Stokes was, you know, very particular and we'll obviously come on to, you know, the fact Jack Leach has become an opening bowler in the subcontinent. Um, so it just, yeah, I, that's one thing I just kind of wanted to highlight there. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, he hasn't been overly imaginative and I think it's sort of exacerbated by seeing Ben Stokes because one thing about Ben Stokes is that has got to expect the unexpected. 10 out of 10 series as a captain and Babar I'd probably give him maybe 4 out of 10 yeah I'd agree um, so if we come on to the come on to the test itself um, Pakistan obviously batting first making 304 and then at the end of day one Abra Ahmed breaking through Zach Crawley to be 7 for 1 at the end of the day um, what did you make of the, the balance of that like you said Azam getting some runs I mean, it was actually Salman who, who got 50 as well. But again, just kind of typical, um, as we've seen all series, two batters kind of um, taking over the reins and no one else really stepping up. Yeah. And what's happened also during the series is, you know, you look at the Pakistan order and 8, 10, 11, all in single figures. The tail has not wagged for them once. You know, once England get them six, seven down, they tend to capitulate a little bit. Uh, I think we... Described their tail as being like longer than that of a Diplodocus earlier in the series, didn't we? And uh, yeah. you know, it's um, it, it goes to show 304 was probably never enough. When you win the toss, you bat, uh, you want to sort of put 400 on the board, especially at Karachi. You know, the wicket's gonna wear, you know, day four, day five, it's gonna crumble a little bit, and they never actually set that imposing total which would have put England under pressure. Jack Leach opened the bowling. Uh, he's got the most wickets out of any bowler in his test matches this year as well, which... Yeah, I know, but an average of about 38. Yeah, he's much maligned, Jack Leach, but, you know, he does a job there, and four for 140, uh, so he, he, he went out four and a half and over, so he wasn't cheap, but, uh, you know, he's got four wickets, and fair play to him. Yeah, and I, I was quite surprised, actually. It didn't feel like four and a half and over at the time. I mean, um, he's as a left-arm spinner, and I've, I've spoke about this a bit before, where a left-arm spinner, I always see as more of a container. And then if someone is also economical at the other end, that's that's where they get their wickets. But Leach has obviously been used in a very different manner. Um, but his wickets, you know, they came at the end. He got Salmon stumped with one that gripped when he was 
um, looking to to counter and um, and then you got Newman and Abra as well. And that ball to get Abra was an absolute peach. Yeah, he's uh, you know he, he's he's got the odd sort of unplayable one in his locker, isn't he? And he he uh, saw him pitch one middle and leg took the outside of off stump and had the left arm spinner. That's your dream delivery, isn't it? So, uh, uh, but he was joined by a new spinner in this test match, wasn't he? A young lad from Nottingham. We have, yeah. Um, what What do you make so far? I've, I've been really excited by um, Rian Ahmed. I, I thought he had a, a very nervous looking first spell, um, going at about seven and over, but he soon recovered. And like you mentioned there, his economy was uh, shy of Jack Leach's. So it's always a it's always a positive there on for a leg spinner on debut. Yeah, I knew a little bit about him anyway. A friend of mine, Sam Dalling, interviewed him last year and did an article in Cricketer about him and his brothers playing cricket indoors and breaking windows back at their home in Nottingham. They went through, used to go through a window a week or something, smash a window a week. But he's uh, he's a good lad. And what I think is beautiful about this is it's a testament to having all 18 counties because he plays for Leicestershire who were comfortably the worst county out of anyone last year. And if it had stayed at his hometown club, he's a Nottingham lad, if it had stayed at Nottinghamshire, you know, who were one of the big test-playing counties, and if there were, say, only eight counties, he probably wouldn't have even played a game of first-class cricket yet. But because we've got 18 counties here, Leicestershire have given him an opportunity, put him in the shop window, he's then gone into the England side as well. He's taken his opportunity with both hands and I think that's a testament testament to the system that's in place at the moment, which is much maligned, but it, it shouldn't be because it's. I, I'm a massive advocate of you know having the 18 counties and I think it's a testament to Paul Nixon at Leicestershire as well, who's prepared to chuck the youngsters in and give them an opportunity. Yeah, I agree, but well, yeah, I agree to some extent. I also um, have to question it a little bit. I mean, I um, am a fan of 18 counties, and I think, um, you know, Leicestershire, despite not winning the game, it's obviously brought Rian Ahmed through, as you said. However, for him, would you be staying there? I mean, Callum Parkinson is um, obviously captain, and he's, despite not winning a game, I thought um, Callum Parkinson looked very good. Um, and you know, certainly does a role. So it'd be very strange if he played for the bottom team in Division Two and he couldn't get in the side, but also while getting in the England side, it would be, it would be. And uh, I think Leicester should look at him, look at him as more of a white ball specialist, don't they? Which is, uh, I should imagine the number of counties will be circling, including Nottinghamshire, who've uh, gone there in the past. You know, in, in cricketing terms, it's the antithesis of Robin Hood, who was from Nottingham, wasn't it? Where Robin Hood used to rob the, the rich to pay the poor, whereas Nottinghamshire at the moment tend to sort of rob the counties around them of their talent and uh, line them up to their own coffers. We've seen a number go to Nottinghamshire in recent years from Leicestershire. Stuart Broad was one, uh, for instance. So, uh, you know, we've, we've seen them uh, pilfer those counties around them in the past, and it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, the number of counties are, you know, on the phone to his agent. Yeah, it's quite a compact area in terms of professional cricket. And uh, 
Well, being a white ball specialist at county level might prove uh, positive in uh, the old Baz ball. So if we if we come back onto the test match, um, yeah. we, we touched upon Pakistan's innings. Jack Leach, four wickets, Rian Ahmed, two, and then one each for Robinson, Wood and Root. Um, I thought Wood also bowled um, very well, very uh, contained and, and quick as well. But ending the day seven for one, that um, turn already being shown at the end of day one to get Crawley... Uh, it was always going to set up. We were always going to do uh, play the way we play, but were you concerned at seven for one closing the day? Yeah, I was. I, I you know, Crawley got one that just sort of skidded onto him. He possibly should have gone forward instead of back. Uh, but it's very different to see out of those last sort of 20 minutes to the end of the day. Which brings me on to Ben Duckett, who's another lad who's gone from an East Midlands county to Nottinghamshire. Uh, uh, he's only he's that Crawley's only partner, and he went from North Ants up to Nottinghamshire a couple of years ago. And I think he's had a wonderful series. He's been uh, excellent at the top of the order. There has been a space at the top of the order. There's not in the middle order. I think the middle order is pretty secure with the likes of you know Root, Brooks, Stokes in there. I can't see any sort of vacancies happening in there for quite a while. But the top of the order, there was. We had Alex Lees in the summer, uh, who struggled a little bit. Zach Crawley himself struggled. Ben Duck is coming to that side, and he's another one who's taken that opportunity with both hands. And I think he's, he's had a wonderful tour. Yeah, I think... Um, I'll get Steve to edit this out. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I think Duckett's been a... A great, um, a great opener this series, like you said, with Alex Lee's. I think there was a bit of uncertainty there. He seemed like he could do a job, but he wasn't particularly uh, just up to scratch when it when it uh, <coughs> came down to it at the end of the day. Um, you know, Duckett, yeah, he's had a, he's had a great series, and of the two now, I'm not sure who would you say you trust more between Crawley and Duckett. I think Crawley has come into his own slightly, despite getting that duck um, on day one, as we touched upon there. But um, yeah, like you said, in terms of vacancies, and that brings me nicely on to uh, Harry Cherrington Brook um, after his 100 once again. Is it? Uh, so he's obviously at number five, which is where Johnny Bairstow was in the summer before breaking his leg or whatever it was. Um, where do you see us going forward? Because obviously you can't expect him to be dropped and with Bairstow when he comes back and he might, uh, you know, he might not be fully fit. He might never play test cricket again. Where would you stand on that selection? Well, it'd be interesting to see where, um, where best I fits in, isn't it? Because I can't see him sort of slotting into that middle order. I mean, who would you drop? Would you drop Ollie Pope? Now it'd be harsh. I mean, Bairstow is a world-class operator. Um, so I think he's got to come back into the side. I mean, he had a fantastic summer before that freak injury on the golf course where he, he fell over playing a shot, didn't he, and snapped his leg. It was a horrendous injury. Um, I I mean, I possibly see him coming in and opening the batting. And I wonder if there's an opportunity for him there because Crawley is definitely the future, but he's been given countless opportunities and he's not doing it. And Bairstow, Opens in white ball cricket. He can bat at the top of the order. I mean, he's bad at three and four for England in the past where, you know, sometimes he's been in the second or third over doing that himself. So I think 
virtually best I could possibly come in an open training. Yeah, I was think I was thinking that myself, and I was going to mention. It. Um, I remember his dip in form, however, came um, because even though he was batting in the middle, he was because um, he'd been opening in white ball cricket. He was standing, you know, outside leg stump and prone to opening up that offside. Whereas in Test cricket, he uh he was prone to the nip backer, which he got a pair against Ireland, if you remember, um, and uh, didn't have a very good Ashes that year, um. So I'm just wondering if where it, obviously he's with Basball, he's a you know probably going to get away with um a poor shot more because if he plays with intent, that's they're gonna they're gonna like the sighting of him like with Crawley, um. So I think it's it's interesting and I potentially maybe at seven as well with the gloves but folks can you drop him with a, um he's had a he's had a good test and um along with brooks 100 folks making 64 as well um yeah i really i mean fitness as well he, he might not even be fit to come in so um yeah he's, he's the wrong side of 30 now yeah i'm i'm an advocate for playing your best glove two or three Wicked keepers who are capable of playing test level we've got in this country, you know, who are actual, you know, what I call proper wicket keepers, proper glovemen, not batsmen who can don the gloves, say like Ollie Pope, who, you know, did perfectly fine, by the way. He didn't let anyone down. But, you know, I would put sort of folks, John Simpson in the middle six and possibly Ben Cox in, in those sort of three. Um, and I think I'd always, you know, Folks is the man in possession at the moment, and I, w- I would go with that. I wouldn't sort of start tinkering with, you know, giving Bairstow the gloves again. Or what happens is you can drop a batsman, and then he goes on and makes 200. And I think that keeper is worth his weight in gold, you know, with the gloves as well as, you know. And and Folks isn't a mug with a bat either. He scored 64 in this test. Uh, England got a total of 354. So they had a slight lead over Pakistan of. Uh, 50, exactly 50, didn't they? Ben, ben Folks was crucial to that. I thought he played the spinners very well. And he played he's a lot more circumspect and that's a little bit of stability when everyone else is crashing it all around the ground. Yeah, I think the, the big difference with Folks's um, stats in the innings compared to the rest of the batters, that striker at 52, um, as a run rate, um for the rest of the series, I mean, we went up 4.33 uh, in this first innings. That's the slowest of any of the three tests so far. Um, but I think folks did what you had to do. And also, um, you said about Pakistan only getting 304 because a lack of runs at the end. Um, so England scored uh, just under 100 from seven down. So, you know, Woods 35 and Robinson's 29 was absolutely crucial. Do you agree? Yeah, I love your stats, Blake, as well, mate. You are the stats man of this show. And, uh, uh, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that England did well to get a lead. And I think, you know, when you get a lead in Test cricket as well, it's about psychological pressure. And then Pakistan know that if they lose a load of wickets at the top of the order, they're in big trouble. You know, they're sort of suddenly, you say they were 60 or four, in effect, you're 10 for four and you're in massive trouble. So I think just any sort of lead, especially, uh, and England needed that lead as well. We spoke about Karachi, has got a reputation for, for, you know, crumbling on the days four and five of the test match. So England needed that lead. Um, I think it showed um, 
you know, Karachi, like like you said, it's it breaks up and um I think the best way to bat is um with intent and try hit the spinners out the game. And um I think like we touched upon Brooke and Folks in particular um did that. Um, you know, Brooke um seems to seems to play the pull shot very well. He picks up length perfectly and um when it is full he uses his feet and comes down the pitch and it's almost as if, you know, it's very difficult to bowl to him. Yeah, what I like about Harry Brook is he, he gets on with it, doesn't look like he's slogging, plays proper shots. But what underpins him as a, you know, why I think he's going to be as good as Joe Root is he's got a very good defence. He's got a really good technique. He's got a tight defence. And some of the shots he plays, he goes inside out and goes over or through extra cover. And uh, it's an absolute joy to watch. And it's very hard to set a field when you're captain someone doing that yeah it is um you know runs came both sides of the wicket and i think maybe that's a uh well it's a testament to harry brook but maybe it's something to look at from a pakistani um bowler's point of view um leaking runs both sides of the wicket in test cricket isn't um good really you know it shows you're not bowling to a plan or um or there isn't a plan one or the other yeah agree i agree so um Pakistan, then, they were 50 behind. Well, they, they lost out the rally pretty early. He got bowled by Jack Leach, didn't they, in their second innings? And then Babarazam and Saud Shaquille, who'd been the, the thorn in England's side a little bit, uh, they held held us up, held England up with a cover 50s. They capitulated. Yeah, this innings really summed up the series for me. Um, Babarazam and Shaquille both hit in 50s. Um, you know, and no one else again taking a couple of twenties. Um, shame to see Azar Ali get a duck on his final innings. Um, but I thought Jack Leach bowled really, really well in this innings. Three for seventy-two at under three and over. Um, and opening with Joe Root, who didn't uh, didn't perform as well. So, um, but you know, nine wickets of spin for England in in that innings. But um. The, I think the role of the seamers when when the spinners are taking wickets are really underappreciated, and I think that's another difference between uh, the three nil win to being the team that lost three nil because I think Pakistani seamers didn't support uh, the spinners in the same way ours did. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's the first time we've won a test without Broad or Anderson in uh, in the side for something like since about two thousand and eight or something like that. Yeah, I think two thousand and seven, um, sit without Broad or Anderson, and two thousand and four without Broad or Anderson away. Wow, wow, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, that's top stackage there actually. So, uh, um, yeah, it goes to show. And I agree with you about our seamers. Mark Wood, I think, has done a really really good job. Ollie Robinson's done a really good job. You know, I think it's uh, death by spin, wasn't it? It was. And Rian Ahmed um, bowled really well. I, I think the ball was in the first innings, but I think you could tell he was going to be dangerous. Um, and he, you know, obviously bowled really well in the second innings. But bowling those googlies to the left-handers, um, particularly from around the wicket where he got that, that one, the LBW, I think it was Ashraf in the first innings, where it's just yeah. straightened, um, you know, really, really good bowler. And, you know, he dropped a couple short in the first innings, but I thought otherwise he had very good control as well, which is difficult to get as a leg spinner, but and with a red ball as well. Yeah, he's googly's hard to pick because you know the standard leg spinner just comes out the back, 
but the Google then comes right out of the back, you know, and uh, I think that there'll be a load of sides around the world getting their analysts to, you know, slow him down and have a really good look at his actions because I think, you know, especially Australia, they'll be wanting to pick that Googly this summer if he plays. Yeah, I think, um, do you see him going down a, a franchise route or can you hopefully, well, I always like to see cricketers, um, you know, make their name in, in Red Bull cricket, but do you see him going, um, like, with a difficult-to-pick googly? It seems uh, he's a franchise dream, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a bit of uh, Rashid Khan about him, hasn't he? Um, I do see him going down the franchise route, but interestingly, after this test match has finished, he's uh, counted himself out of the IPL auction coming up, and he ends up with 5 for 48, but it's not just him. I think this is a golden generation coming through for English cricket. You know, we look at Harry Brooks. He's had a wonderful series. Ollie Pope's had a very good series. Ben Duckett's been decent. Zach Crawley, the jury's still out there. But there's a load of youngsters. There's a real young group there coming through. Yeah, I think... Um, and I'll come on to... After we finish um, wrapping up this test, we'll... Uh... Go on to the, the test series in New Zealand in February because um, I think selection's really interesting case there. But, but if we go into the fourth innings, um, so it was still day three and we were trying to get it done. Duckett and Crawley both going at, over a runner ball um, and then Rian Ahmed coming in at number three on the back of his positivity of his Pfeiffer. Um, did you think chasing 170 it was ever in doubt or do you think we were just taking risks that were unnecessary at this point? No, I think England England only play one way. I think Ben Stokes came in. He wanted the six record, didn't he, of his coach, Brendan McCullum. So I think McCullum's got the most sixes in Test cricket. Is that right? I think they're tied now. I think Stokes has levelled it in the series. Yeah, so one more six, which hopefully he'll get in that series against New Zealand, uh, which would be apt because he's a Kiwi. McCullum's a Kiwi. <laughs> and uh, well, Stokes, you know... It's, well, he's English now, isn't he? But he was a, a Kiwi for the first 12 years of his life. So it'd be apt that he does it over there. But uh, now going back to sort of how England play, I think that they only play one way. But I thought Ben Duckett was very good. He ended up on 82 not out. He swept and reverse swept his way the whole way through. And I think he's uh, he's had a very, very good series. Yeah, I think he could be crucial going forward. That, that series in New Zealand, um, you know, you're going to have... Southie's probably going to be their pick of the spinners and it'll be turning into Duckett. So uh, I think that's, uh, I think he could have another really good tour there. And um, it showed we didn't even, you know, bat um, silly, which sounds ridiculous, going at six and over, chasing 170 and 28 overs. Not one six was hit. No. Uh, just, I think everyone talks about kind of the aggression, but I think running hard has been a... Um, a key point with basketball as well. I mean, sometimes it hasn't paid off, like with the the Brook Stokes run out in the first innings. But um, yeah, do you, do you notice that as well? Yeah, I think I think it's just positive cricket all round. You know, the playing shots, good hard running between the wickets when they sort of in the field, energy in the field. So I think it's just good positive cricket all round. I don't think it's sort of any any one thing. I think it's a number of things that are making. This England side go well, and they wrap this up by eight wickets, and that's nine out of the last ten under this McCullum-Stokes axis or McCullum-Stokes dynasty, perhaps. Nine wins out of ten, 
that's unheard of for English cricket fans. That really is. I mean, that's that's serious going. And the Aussies are poo-pooing baseball, but really, you can know, you know, they are quaking in their little Australian booth down under. Yeah, um, next summer is definitely one to look forward to for that. And uh, just a stat I wanted to come on to. Um, it's a nine in ten, which, like you said, it's kind of unheard of. Um, and nine months ago, losing to West Indies in West Indies was uh, um, one I didn't, uh, you know, I don't think anyone saw us coming back from that um, with any positives. But yeah, nine wins from ten between 1984 and 1990, we won nine test matches. And I think we played... 63 or something 64 um so that is to put into context uh i think we could be in our golden golden era we probably had nine skippers as well because i think we had four in like about one in one summer i think in 1988 so uh it wouldn't surprise me if we had nine skippers going back to uh the basketball in the west indies i've just sort of you just reminded me there blake of what a dull series that was in the West Indies. It was turgid stuff, wasn't it? And the difference between seeing England now make the running, making things happen, as opposed to just allowing things to happen and going through the motions like they were. Well, it shows how quick it can change. I mean, our personnel isn't even that different. Um, it's just obviously mindset. But, you know, this is the same West Indies side we lost to that have just played in Australia and got thumped. And people were doubting why they even play test cricket. Um, so just goes to show it's a long way. And Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes are um, a huge um, thanks to that. So 3 0 series win. Happy days. Yeah. First, uh, first ever whitewash um, in Pakistan. Um, not a stat that Pakistan fans would want to hear. Um, but going forward then, so obviously Harry Brook, man of the series, which kind of can, um, couldn't be disputed, I don't think. Um, and then going forward, so we've got some one-dayers um, against South Africa next month, which the squad has just been released for, Joffre's return. Um, but I want to focus on test cricket because New Zealand in February, I think there's going to be some headaches. Can Do you leave out Rian Ahmed? Do you... You know, will Joffre return, assuming he's okay in the one-day series? What What do you see us doing? Uh, I see Stuart Broad returning, definitely, for that. I think he's uh, he'll come back into the side. I think the makeup of the side, you know, I think he'd be a, a brave man to go in. Probably be the one spinner, which I, I'd probably predict Jack Lee. So I think Rian Ahmed will sit this one out. And I think they'll sort of go in with the extra seam option. As for the, the batting, I can't really see that changing too much. I think that'll be pretty similar to, to the way we've gone in Pakistan. I think most guys are in possession. Of, but uh, I think it's going to be a really good series. It's Mount Manganui, I think, is the first test at the Bay of Plenty there, which should be a real good one. And then they move down to Wellington, Windy Wellington. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's a shame it's only a two-match series, really. Um, we had a really poor tour that um, sticks in my mind of New Zealand a couple of years ago where I remember we bowled out before lunch on the first day for 50-odd. Um, what difference do you see um, in terms of what we face? What, what do you think the difference is between Pakistan and New Zealand going to be other than obviously the obvious the pitches? Um, what do you see in terms of personnel? 
Yeah, I think, uh, well, New Zealand's been quite flat in recent years, but I remember that one where we did get bowled out. Um, they've got a quality uh, seam attack. You know, you think Southie, Bolt, uh, Wagner, you know, they, they've got a really, really good seam attack. Keep producing these guys. And you look around sort of county cricket in the last few years, and there have been a number of guys who've really made a difference to their counties. Uh, you know, there's a number of really good Kiwis around who who are on the fringes. And I think it's a, a golden era for New Zealand cricket as well. Because, you know, you look at them historically. <coughs> they had Richard Hadley, and who was a world-class operator. And the rest were sort of, you know, decent sort of club players. So, you know, it would be interesting to see whether, um, you know, how, how they how they sort of how they come on, and I think it's two really really good sides will go at it full throttle, and that's why I think. Uh, do you think you could you could see us um, kind of inflicting the same damage what we did on Pakistan, where um, you know one or two batters might go on and a couple, you know, let them down? I, I feel you look past Williamson, and I'm not sure the consistency's there across the board. Do you agree? Be interesting to see, won't it? I uh, be interesting to see who they go with as well at the top of their order. So um, they're, they're a good outfit, and I think it'll be a lot closer. I'm expecting a sort of nutritional battle. I think the pitches will be flatter, even Pakistan. I think it'll be a bit like the, what we saw in Ralph Pindi, but without a turn. And it'll be good hard cricket. Yeah, certainly uh, one to look forward to. And I think it'd be interesting to see if other teams kind of adapt this. Uh, approach to, to test crickets. I think New Zealand could be um, one that benefit from that. Um, if you look at their players, I think, especially leading from the front with their seamers, I think they could be a team that are really set up for Basball style. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And there's uh, some side shows there, aren't there? As I said earlier, the McCullum Stokes going back to their own country. And there's, uh, there's going to be a load of stories about this. Anyway, We've had a wonderful series. I've really enjoyed doing these with you, Blake, as well. We have. And we're going to leave the uh, the viewers with a quiz question. We are, yes. So, uh, Rian Ahmed um, is the youngest debutant to take a FIFA. Um, so, youngest player to play for England at 18. He's also, um, despite players have taken fifers at a younger age um nasim shah for example when he came in the side at 16 but he's the youngest person to take a fifer on his debut and uh my question to the to the listeners is who did he take that record off of okay. any ideas dan i've got a clue i know who uh he became the youngest um player to replace because it was brian close wasn't it originally it was brian close yeah and that was a new zealand tour 1949 in fact yeah, it's a lovely story about Brian Close, but one of the hardest Yorkshiremen you'll know. Like, died in the wall, epitomised Yorkshire cricket. And he had a bit of a row out there, and he went down to Somerset. And I interviewed Brian Rose, who was the Somerset captain throughout the 70s, and he made his debut under Brian Close in 1969, and he dropped two absolute sitters. And he apologised to him at lunch. And Brian Close said, don't worry about them, that lad. He said, but I've got a court rules and my ass cheeks. And, uh, yeah, that, that epitomises Brian Close. 
That's a great way to end it from Brian Close to Rian Ahmed. Um, thank you all for listening to uh, this episode and hope you enjoyed the series. Hopefully we'll be back for the New Zealand one going forward, but if not, there's exciting times ahead. Um, so thank you for listening and uh, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.